It's Quachel Nascelata. It's Nick here, and you're listening to TFUV 101.9 FM. Broadcasting from the traditional territories of the Songhees, Esquimalt, and Husanich people. You're listening to You in the Ring on CFUV 101.9 FM. My name is Dominique, and I'll be your host. There is no doubt that 2020 has been a year that no one is likely to forget. The COVID-19 pandemic has likely affected everyone on this earth in one way or another, and will likely still affect people well into 2021, and for some people, many years after. Through this pandemic, there's been some beautiful moments of showing appreciation for frontline health workers, of coming together to help people in need, But there's also been moments of intense isolation and loneliness, of fear and worry, of loss and longing for an end to the chaos. Everyone has had very unique experiences through all of this. As a UVic student, COVID hit me the hardest in March, when the university canceled all in-person classes and chaos ensued. All of a sudden, I wasn't going to campus anymore. I had to finish my last few weeks of school from home and face the new reality of social distancing and the initial pandemic craze of toilet paper hoarders. I'm sure I wasn't the only one to naively think that, well, at least school's almost over anyways. It'll all be back to normal by the fall. And was I ever wrong? As I entered my last year of my degree in the fall of 2020, I prepared myself for a very different university experience than I'd had at UVic previously. Being online wasn't all bad. I could have 9am classes and not have to wake up till 8.45, but I really missed the personal connections, the simple act of going to campus, walking on campus, going to study and sub between classes, and just hanging out somewhere that wasn't my apartment. I missed being in class and being able to interact with others that shared similar interests. I really missed being able to read people's body language in a seminar discussion, and I really missed sharing in the palpable sense of stress that is always so present on campus during exams. By the end of the fall semester, I was so done with staring at my computer screen. I was so done with Zoom meetings and emails and papers and presentations, and I was just done with being alone all the time. But it doesn't stop. Throughout this whole pandemic, I've been so interested in finding out how other people are dealing with this pandemic, and specifically, how members of the UVic community are doing. I wanted to know how things have changed behind the scenes at UVic, and I wanted to find out about some of the people who are responsible for making our school year work and still function through the chaos. I want to take a dive into other people's pandemic worlds, in the hope that it will bring us all new perspectives on what others at UVic are going through and hopefully give us a sense of connection in a time where connection has become so precious. This episode will focus on a side of UVic that many people, especially students, tend to overlook, the administration. These people are the ones responsible for making sure that UVic runs as smoothly as possible, and they're the ones that provide UVic students with some of the resources they need to be successful and healthy. We'll hear from the manager of student life and engagement, who has been working hard to keep students connected to each other in these isolated times. We'll speak with the coordinators of the UVSS Food Bank and the UVic Community Garden, 
who have been helping the UVic community have continued access to healthy food through the campus closures. And we'll also hear the perspectives of an academic advisor who has been giving everything she's got into making sure students reach their academic goals through the challenges that COVID has brought to all of us. The first person I spoke with was Nicole Simaris, who is the coordinator of the UVic Campus Community Garden and also a recent UVic graduate. If you didn't know, the Campus Garden is a space dedicated for urban agriculture, where 90 allotment plots are rented out to the UVic community members to grow food in. The garden coordinators also work hard to grow food at the garden year-round to give away to UVic students and provide tons of educational resources related to growing food. Nicole shares her thoughts on how the pandemic has affected the running of the garden and how it has also highlighted the importance of thinking about food security in these trying times. I first asked her about how she and the rest of the garden staff adapted to the beginnings of the pandemic. Yeah, that was a stressful time. Um, the biggest thing that was on my mind and the rest of the staff's mind was how we were going to get this food to students. It wasn't really a question of if we were going to. Um, that wasn't really crossing our minds. It was how we were going to distribute this food. We spent all year planning on the kinds of foods we were going to grow and the ways we were going to make it fun to distribute and how we were going to engage students with the garden as much as possible. Um, but unfortunately, all of our events had to be shut down and our work parties um, were also cancelled and the, the UVic Food Bank, which is one of our main donation places, um, if not through pop-up markets where we give food to students for free, that was temporarily closed as well. So we were just really worried about how we were going to get this food to students, especially during a time where um, grocery stores were seeing empty shelves and there was so much financial insecurity and we just really wanted to still be able to provide um, healthy, local, organic food and fresh produce to students and at least alleviate some of the burden and stress that folks are most definitely experiencing. Yeah, absolutely. So like, how did, how did you do it? How did you end up distributing the food and still keeping everyone safe while you were doing it? So what, at the beginning of, in the spring, we were still kind of starting a lot of seeds and seedlings and things. Um, so we eventually started um, giving away starts uh, for free. So we had folks sign up on if they wanted to um, pick up kale and chard and tomatoes, um, and like little four-inch pots to at least give um, food that folks can grow at home for free which was really nice. And then luckily, um, later towards the end of the summer when the harvest season was really at its peak and all of our food was um, being ready to distribute, um, the food bank uh, developed a food hamper program uh, where we were able to donate our food through there so that they could distribute it to the community as well as um, uh, the Society for Students with Disabilities also had a food box distribution, which we were donating to as well. So we found a way to get the, the food to students. Um, you mentioned that people have their own plots at the garden too. Did anything um, change with that or did people react in different ways or did people just keep keep gardening all summer and it was all fine? 
Mm-hmm. I think um, the engagement from Plot Ranchers definitely increased this summer. Um, there were, of course, some people that weren't maybe feeling comfortable coming to the garden as everyone was trying to find, figure out their comfort levels with, with the new changes and everything. Um, so, But we wanted to make sure that all of the plots at the garden were being used to grow food in. And everyone grew a lot of food this year. Um, it was, yeah, it was really, really lovely to see. And it, it became kind of a hobby for a lot of folks this year, um, not necessarily plot ranchers at the garden, to, to grow their own food in the time of quarantine and when no one was able really to go out. People were staying inside and growing their own food and, and finding comfort and knowing that they could kind of control maybe some of the stuff that they're putting in their bodies. Um, so there was a lot more of that this year. It felt very more, it was much more important to a lot of folks to have the space to grow food in, um, as well as we had a lot of comments um, about how keeping the garden open was a place for them like to find solace in during all of the stress and uncertainty. So there was a lot of gratitude expressed um, to us and I'm sure to the land just, just for having the opportunity to be able to go out somewhere safely and grow your own food. Yeah, for sure. Do you ever wish the garden was bigger so you could accommodate more people to, to have that opportunity? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Our wait list is about a year long. So, and uh, yeah, it kind of goes to show. And we had a lot of folks um, sign up in the spring um, to our to our wait list to, to get a plot. And yeah, it was it was hard to see all like the the list just get longer and longer, but not yeah. much more space increasing. So overall, did the summer go really well? Did you did you have any other major challenges other than yeah the public outreach you were mentioning? The summer did go really well. Um, we grew about 300 pounds of food more this year than we did the year before. So we grew just over 800 pounds of food, which is remarkable. We're really proud of that. And I think that is due to the fact that our focus is, as staff, was just growing food <laughs> this summer. So unfortunately, that meant, because that was our main priority, that meant that a lot of the maintenance around the garden kind of was left on the back burner a little bit. So when we came back in the fall, there was a lot of weeding to be done, a lot of pruning. Um, and these are types of tasks that we usually have volunteers support with. So not having uh, extra hands around the garden was a bit of a challenge. But luckily, yeah, we were still able to grow so much food and get that to students so we're really proud of that does the garden continue throughout the fall and the winter or does it kind of slow down a little bit food is so easy to grow in victoria our climate is really wonderful (laughs) um so there's a ton of food that we can still grow in the winter um one thing that we learned last year was we had a really good summer of growing food last summer but our winter sort of dwindled. We didn't plan as well. So this year we were really keen on making sure we come up with a really good garden plan of what to grow and when to start things so that we have an abundant harvest as well for students for the winter. Amazing. That's awesome. Um, I know that a lot of students that are still in Victoria don't have a lot of 
places to go right now. So I was wondering, is the garden open to anyone to just go walk around and have a look at what's growing? Yes. In the summer, we one of the heartbreaking things that we had to do was limit the amount of people that were, were coming into the garden, which is challenging because it's a community garden. You don't have to be a plot renter necessarily to enjoy the space. So that was really hard for us to turn people away. But now we do welcome folks. We, we understand how important this space is to peel your eyes away from the screen since you're on Zoom all day to come and go for a walk and, and, and enjoy the beautiful space on campus. Um, we just have guidelines, community guidelines in place. Um, so folks are meant to wash their hands or sanitize upon entering the garden space and just be mindful of what you touch. And if you touch it, sanitize it and that sort of thing. But um, in terms of walking around and enjoying the space, folks are absolutely welcome to do that. Do you have any advice or words of wisdom for UVic students and the greater UVic community to help them through these crazy times? I think my advice would be to slow down and eat your meals. I find great comfort in food. It brings people together. Um, Everybody has to eat. And I think slowing down and eating your food intentionally with people that you love, even if it has to be over FaceTime. I know I had to do that this summer a few times. Um, But it is really, really heartwarming to be able to carve out time in your day to enjoy eating food with people that you love. So I would, I would, that would be my advice for everybody <laughs> to make time for that. So if you're feeling like you need a change of scenery, go check out the Campus Community Garden. It's on Mackenzie across from the UVic Athletic Fields. I can confirm that it's a really beautiful place to walk through and look at everything that's growing there. The next person I spoke with was Alex Sterling, who shared her perspective on how the pandemic has affected her work. My name is Alex Sterling. Um, my pronouns are she and her, and my title at UVic is Manager of Student Life and Engagement. And so it's quite broad, and what that means is um, I manage some of our peer-led educational programs related to things like sexualized violence prevention, student wellness, student engagement, our orientation, and more recently also expanding into more um, anti-oppression work as well. Many students don't actually know that the Office of Student Life exists, but it actually provides students with so many resources and programs that many of us benefit from, like student leadership programs, sexualized violence awareness, student mental health initiatives, bystander intervention training, and lots of other really cool and important stuff. I asked Alex what those first few weeks of the pandemic in March were like for the Office of Student Life. To be honest, I think at first I was really naive and I remember sending emails saying, okay, well, let's just reconnect in a couple weeks when we're all back on campus. <laughs> and I, I really had this notion at first, like, oh, okay, we're going to take some, some time away and work from home for a bit and we'll all be back in about a month or so. And when I started to realize the severity of things and started to kind of see this trajectory of how things were going with the pandemic, I remember the next thing I thought about was the students, and in particular, we were at the end of the semester, heading into exams, and just wondering 
how they must be managing this. Um, how is Evic going to manage this? How are we going to make sure our students are feeling supported and they have the information they need to finish off their semesters in a good way, all while dealing with all this uncertainty and um, brand new context of living in a global pandemic. And then I remember thinking, as things progress further, okay, what are we going to do for the fall? How are we going to prepare and pivot all of our programs so that they're relevant and actually even doable. Alex explained to me that since the spring, the Office of Student Life has had to change pretty much everything they do in some shape or form because most of the programming was based on in-person events. Their student leadership programs were all moved online and they held various workshops online throughout the summer. One thing I thought of with this pandemic was how hard it would be to be a first year at university this year. You don't get to go through the usual motions of being a UVic first year, like joining clubs and meeting people and going to events. But the Office of Student Life has adapted to the changing situation for students by creating a whole new program aimed at new UVic students to encourage connection. We created a whole new program that didn't exist up until this summer. Um, and that's specifically for all new UVic students, and that's called the New Student Connect program. And it's a student mentorship program, and it's, it's when I say new UVic students, it's anyone new to UVic, so that includes um, grad students and transfer students. And that program has four main goals, to help students make friends, to make sure they know their resources and options, to help them feel a sense of belonging, because that's probably been one of the biggest pieces that we keep hearing time and time again. And then to help them stay at UVic, actually stay in classes and, and not get too discouraged. That's been a, a huge undertaking. Um, we hired and trained approximately 115 student mentors called Engage Leaders, and they have been actively working with 3,300 students who are in the program right now. So it's, it's quite a lot of students accessing the program, which is great. That's what we're hoping for. And that's mostly been through MST. So it's, again, it's all online. Um, they're using, they're, they've been amazing and super creative in terms of all the different ways that they're connecting. So they've also been using social media a lot. Um, yeah, it's been amazing to see all of the work that team has done and the student leaders have done to really respond to this brand new <laughs> global context that we're in right now. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. That that program is so interesting to me because I, I remember when I was going back to classes in the summer, I was like, wow, what would it feel like to be a first year going to UVic and not knowing anybody? And like, I couldn't imagine. Um, so yeah, this program is probably allowing a lot of people to feel that sense of community. Um, but I'm curious, like, what what's has the response been with that program? Um, how how have people kind of reacted to it, and, and are people making friends still in this in this crazy situation? Are people still finding a way to to be part of the community? Yeah, that's a great question. I so far it's been really amazing to see 
um, so far the response from students has been really, really positive. We know that this isn't going to be for everyone, um, so it's certainly not required. Students are absolutely welcome to opt out. But a lot of students have stayed in, and the ones who have stayed in, we keep hearing time and time again just how nice it is for them to get some social connection to have just like simple little weekly things like a watch party for a favorite TV show or for example they have a channel on MSC specific to pets and everyone's posting photos of their pets and commenting on each other's pets and it just it doesn't have to be complicated um, it's just those little points of contact and opportunities to hear from their peers because like you said otherwise there is no obvious way um, to do that when we're not in person. Amazing. Yeah, that's really good to know. And it'll be such a great way for people to kind of start building connections this year. And then in the in the following years, hopefully we'll be back in person and then they exactly. can keep those relationships going. So how has the, the Office of Student Life's approach to student mental health changed through the pandemic? Because I know that's a, that's a big area of focus for you. Yeah, yeah, it's always been a big area of focus, um, and it continues to be. I think some of the ways it's adapted is on our heightened awareness of community building. But this year, that's been even more of a focus. So creating community, um, ensuring that students have uh, a way of staying connected with each other and connected to resources helping students to understand what is available to them because I actually am really amazed by how many <laughs> different options there are right now on campus, but oftentimes students don't know about them. So we kind of see ourselves also as a conduit for connecting students to other resources related to wellness um, on campus. But yeah, really just like helping them to stay stay connected and make friends. We actually did a survey in the summer in preparation for our new Student Connect program to get a sense from students of what it is that they needed and, and wanted this year. And 91% said one of their main concerns was making friends. Yeah, that's a big, that's a huge challenge. Um, what what have been some of your main main challenges throughout this whole thing? The first thing that comes to mind is making sure students know about what we do. I just am always surprised when when students are still not getting the information about what's available. And, and so similar to our programs as well, oftentimes students don't know what, what we're doing and, and what they can access. So I'd say that's been a challenge is just making sure they're getting the information and not... Um, trying to overwhelm them with all these different modalities of communication because then I find we just lose students. So how can we be consistent and clear in communicating what's available and make it as easy to access for students as possible because they're already so stressed and overwhelmed. They don't need to be inundated with a million different emails or um, <laughs> whatever it may be. I asked Alex if she had any advice for the UVic community members to help them through these times. Yeah, I think just simple things. Take it day by day. And it can be really overwhelming when we think about 
into how big some of these changes are. So really focusing on just one day at a time, making it a habit to reach out to each other, stay connected to your friends, family, whether it's for you or for someone else. And don't be afraid to ask for help because there are options out there. If you're a UVic student, I highly recommend checking out the Office of Student Life website. They have tons of events coming up, like the Winter Welcome at the beginning of January, Wellness Week later in January, and they're hosting lots of interesting and worthwhile workshops throughout the semester. Check them out at uvic.ca slash services slash student life. If you didn't know already, the UVSS funds a food bank that many UVic community members benefit from every day. The food bank faced some difficult challenges through the pandemic, and our next guest will speak to these challenges. Yeah, so I'm Kishal, um, my pronouns are she and her, and I um, am the UVSS food bank and free store officer. So I was, um, I was working at the food bank last year, and I was just a work study, and I remember um, mid-March when things started getting really serious with the pandemic the food bank literally just totally shut down because there's so many people coming through and it just wasn't a safe place to be for people um so when that was happening um um, I know you didn't have the position that you have right now but what was kind of going through your mind at that point and and how were you affected um in that time yeah, so I I wasn't um, the coordinator at that time, but I was still a volunteer and I was at the food bank like almost every day. I spent a lot of time here. I mean, for me, I just stopped volunteering, but um, it was definitely a big deal to me because I was very concerned about how that would affect, you know, people who really rely on the food bank especially during a pandemic like uh, that was the reason that we shut down but that also made it harder for everyone else to access food um, and a lot of people lost their jobs so it was definitely uh, I it was definitely I was worried at that time for sure yeah I remember thinking as well um, when the food bank shut down like all those people that come in you know once or twice a week to get their groceries like what were they gonna do I was like I was really worried about all the people that I've I'd been meeting um throughout the year and like yeah it's such a such an essential service to close so after that happened like um I know you weren't in the position but you're you know a lot more about it than me like what kind of changes happened with the food bank like what measures did the food bank have to take to to keep it safe and for people still to be able to use it Um, Actually, the food bank was closed for quite a long time, about three months. And so for a while, there were, there was really nothing going on. There was no way that students had access to these things from the UVSS. Um, But then when we did reopen um, sometime in June, the hamper program was started. So that was um, supposed to replace the regular pickups where people come and get their own food and that was um, a measure that was taken to hopefully reduce the risk. Kishal explained that the hamper program was held outside during the summer months and was solely being organized and run by the food bank coordinators on their own as volunteers were not yet allowed to come help out for safety reasons. 
Each hamper was prepackaged and usually contained a variety of canned goods, bulk staple foods, produce, bread, milk, and eggs. Without access to volunteers, this was a huge effort by the food bank coordinators, so kudos to them. I know in the past, donations um, were a large part of the food bank. Is that still happening? Or are you not accepting donations anymore? Uh, no, we definitely are accepting donations. It has, it has been an interesting thing trying to figure out how we can do that. There was, uh, I think, a short period of time in the summer when we were not accepting donations, but we are now, um, especially since we're back uh, downstairs inside the actual food bank, we have our donation bin outside. And so we accept donations in there and also just donations like given directly to us. Before, yeah, it was difficult to figure out a way to be COVID safe about it, but um, we've been accepting a lot of financial donations for non-perishables and that sort of thing. So yeah, we are definitely accepting donations now that we've figured out a way to make it work. Kishal explained that the food bank has faced many challenges during the pandemic, with a big one being not being able to provide people with exactly what they needed. The food hamper program worked to an extent, but people weren't really able to make decisions regarding what went into their hamper, which goes against one of the many principles of food security and food justice. But under the circumstances, they made it work. Now the food bank has adapted to the changing conditions of the pandemic, and they've changed the way they operate to be able to serve people's needs in a way that benefits everyone. So uh, now that we've moved downstairs, which we did about a month ago, um, we have everything displayed on our shelves and we have lists of all the food items so that we can tell people what we have and people will sign up online still like they did um, before with the hamper request form, which is on our website. Um, and they sign up there and, and they put in their availability um, and then we schedule them at five minute intervals within their availability so that we never have lines and we never have more than two um, patrons in here at a time, but so that people are still able to access food at a time that works for them um, when they can like, pick up all this food. Um, so that is how it is working right now. And people will come in here and we have two hamper packing stations um, with all of our food sort of displayed right by there and then people are able to look and then tell us what they want and then we will get it all for them. So far it is working pretty smoothly and we've been ordering um, a, a variety of new things that people request um, to try and you know it's not like we're not trying to just give them um, just food just so that they can live like it's it's you know it's not like a privilege to eat food that you also enjoy and cook with. That is something that everyone should be able to have. I know most of our patrons very well. A lot of them are regulars and I've known them since I was volunteering last year and they are so kind and grateful. But um, in response to like the hamper program itself, they have been um, totally good with that as well. But I know that um, it has been difficult for some of them not being able to choose what they want. They've been nothing but nice to us about it because obviously we've been adapting as well, but with the hampers, it was so much work and we made hundreds of hampers and we couldn't specify them as much. So um, I know like that wasn't ideal for people at all, but 
um, everyone is much happier now that we are back downstairs. Um, I would say also a, a big difference from how we operated before was that on those delivery dates that you talked about, there would be long lines and um, people would come and it would be first come first serve. So it's different now because of the pandemic. We're not able to do first come first serve. We just schedule people and it's obviously not their fault if they're scheduled last or first or anything. So one good thing is that we have been ordering enough food for everyone and it's no longer first come first serve. So we always have enough of everything for everyone pretty much so that they're able to get the same amount of stuff as the people who come at the beginning of the day. That's really amazing. I remember that was one of the one of the hardest things for people if they couldn't make it on time, they would yeah. kind of miss out on some things. Do you think that the the food bank's been getting used as much as it was in in previous years? Yeah, so this is a good question. Um if we look at just numbers of how many people come per week, for example, the numbers are lower now than they were last year um, when you know things were in person and people were living on campus. But taking into account the, the fact that a lot of people aren't living on campus, a lot of people aren't living in Victoria anymore, I would say um, like the percentage is much higher now because you know we've stayed pretty close to our old numbers with much fewer people around, which I mean, that's really good because we want people who need food to access us. And also, um, I guess that just is also because of the pandemic. Um, it's been much harder for people um, financially and just having access. So yeah, I would say like the amount of people coming from those that live around here um, is quite a bit higher. That's pretty amazing. I'm really glad to hear that. Do you think that anything good has come out of this pandemic, either in your life or, or in the world in general? See, I obviously, I don't, um, I don't think the pandemic is a good thing. And I don't want to say that. But if we were to find sort of, you know, any bright side or any things that have come out of it, um, I would say, you know, a lot of people, um, it's been nice for them to get a break from sort of like a, a normal busy life. I think a lot of us get caught up in the busyness of life and things become really frantic a lot of the times. And uh, we don't, we don't focus on, you know, ourselves or being a little bit uh, stress free. So I think that has been good, been good for some people to have maybe some time off if they did at the beginning um, of the pandemic or just having a different lifestyle. Um, yeah. And I mean, in some ways, you know, this has, um, a lot of different like ways of people showing their kindness has shown up. Um, we've got quite so many donations and so many people interested just very recently now that we've opened it up to donations again, like just people interested in helping out um, and like consistently donating and things like that. And I think a lot of people um, are very empathetic of people's situations during this time because it is hard for everyone, you know, no matter what, like this is a difficult time for sure. Yeah, for sure. That's really good to hear. 
Um, so my last question is, do you have, um, do you have any advice or words of wisdom for students or um, people who visit the food bank or anyone in the UVic community to, to help them through these, these times? Um, I would just say, take advantage of the resources that are available to you. We, like the food bank, for example, is accessible to all students and we, you know, we don't ask for any proof that you need this stuff. We know that like it is, if you're coming here, you need food and everyone deserves to have access to food and essential items. And, you know, the services that are available that are for you, they are for you. So I would say definitely don't feel bad about using them or accessing them or, you know, getting in touch with people or asking questions. Um, you know, you should do whatever, whatever it is you need to do to get through these times and definitely not feel bad about it. You know, like it's difficult and that shows up in different ways for everyone. And we have different ways of dealing with it and helping ourselves. And we have to be kind to ourselves for sure. Any UVic student can access the food bank. So don't hesitate to sign up for a hamper by visiting uvss.ca slash foodbank and fill out the hamper request form. Next, I spoke with Janine Mayers, someone that may have helped some of you organize your academic goals. I'm Janine Mayers, and currently I'm the acting manager of the student portfolio in the academic Advising Center. And we're the Advising Center for the Faculties of Humanities, Science, and Social Sciences. So we kind of deal with those three faculties. So although I'm kind of covering the acting manager role, like first and foremost, I'm an advisor. So I'm an academic advisor. And, and so we kind of are both, we have frontline advisors and academic advisors in the Advising Center. Um, and essentially what we do is we support students. So we support them through their degree programs from the kind of beginning all through the way all the way through to graduation so we're sort of there to help support students through their academic planning side of things we're also there to help with um, clarifying and interpreting some of those university policies and procedures that can sometimes be a little bit more complex and one thing that a lot of students don't know we do in the advising center is we're also there to give access to resources like an opportunity so things on campus that students might not realize are available to them when they come in and talk to an advisor, we can kind of help them navigate that as well. And if we're not the right place, we're really, really good at giving referrals to the right places, sort of on campus, since we're even remotely, we do that as well. Yeah, advisors are so, they've been so important in getting my head straight and my degree. <laughs> <laughs> and I can imagine they're, they're people that most students at UVic kind of meet with at least once throughout their degree. So they're such, a, such an important part of, of graduating and being at UVic. So <laughs> Totally. And we hope that students come and meet with us. Um, a lot of students, and thank you for asking that question, they just don't even know what we do. So hopefully this will help clear that up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So when the pandemic got really serious in March and classes were being canceled and everything kind of went a little sideways, um, what was going through your mind and what was that time like for the advisors and the advising center? So March is typically a quite a busy time for advising. Um, it's kind of the end of term. Students are coming up on exam periods, kind of end of ending their term, their January terms. It's also the time when students are, who are thinking about summer coursework are planning and registering for those courses. 
So it's a busy time in the advising center in general, right? And we at that time are also doing a lot of pro D planning for ourselves. So this last March in particular was, uh, it was already busy in the advising center, but myself and a colleague, we were also planning a conference, an academic advising conference, like a big one where we had people from like Europe, like UAE, United States and Canada coming together sort of for professional development as advisors, because we are professional advisors in the advising center. And that was going on. So we were also like daily kind of looking to see what's going on with the numbers. Is this like a pandemic? People were like an epidemic, like what's going on? And so kind of had that all going on at the same time. So we were very like acutely aware of what was going on because we knew that it would have an effect on our students, but also have an effect on that sort of pro D event we were having, which by the way, ended up getting canceled like one day before it started. So <laughs> um, we, there was, there was quite a, a bit going on actually in the advising center, but we know how important that time of the year is for students. So we were like acutely aware of how much we were confused about what's going on, but also how, confused students were and so we were also dealing with some of that and students asking us those questions that we frankly no one had the answers to at that time so that was that was another thing that was really kind of heavy in the advising center in March. So how how did the team adapt to it and since then how have you adapted because it kind of settled down or? Yeah (laughs) so um, I'm gonna probably start this one with like major props to my team and the team that I work with because they were able to pivot really, really quickly. You know, we are, number one, we were concerned about the health and safety of the students in the campus. But we were also really, really, it was really important for us to make sure that our team was healthy and felt safe as well. So we have a really good director who is like acutely aware of the needs of our team. So we were like, okay, what does the team need? And she was really working with, we have a really great leadership team as well, who was working with our director to say, what do we need? How can we make a quick change? Kind of all of that, because what we didn't want to lose was students' access to our services. And so that meant figuring out a way for us to pivot. And I know people use that word all the time, but it's, it's really important that kind of we needed to pivot so that we didn't lose the services and that students could still kind of get in touch with us right away. Um, so kind of adapting to the pandemic meant we had to get resources so that we could still provide students with appointments, with emails, with phone-like appointments, all of that sort of stuff happening at the same time. And, and our team, especially our leadership team, worked really well to make sure we had those resources because we knew it was important that the students could see us, talk to us, let us know about their concerns, what they're worried about, and still plan. Like a lot of students were still hoping to just continue on with their education and we wanted to make sure that they could do that. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm sure so many students were like ready to graduate and then classes were canceled. So they're like, oh my God, can I still graduate? (laughs) Particularly students who were trying to graduate in the summer, like finish their courses in the summertime and not really knowing or everyone who was trying to finish like exactly what you're saying in March because they were, you know, they were planning on finishing and all of a sudden the way the class is being taught had to change like very, very quickly. So helping students navigate that process and figure out what their options were. So did you all have to start working from home? Is that how it kind of, is that still how it's going? 
the majority of us work remotely. Um, so there are a couple of people, as you probably know, that do work on campus, but we have a very, very limited number of people who do that. And so the majority of us work from home. So it was also about getting us set up to work from home, like essentially over a weekend. So <laughs> that's what happened. And, and as I mentioned, we were working on that conference. So it was like, we were planning to be at a conference and then it was like, you guys need to start essentially on Monday working from home. And how does that work? And so I, again, I got to give major props because I, this was not something that done individually. It was a real team effort to be able to do that. Yeah. Wow. Kudos to all of you. That's amazing. Um, so what, what kind of things have you noticed within the students you're advising? I can imagine that in normal times, advising students is a super stressful thing because you're dealing with really stressed out students and they're wondering what they have to do. Um, so has that changed at all? What's the general feeling within students? Yeah, so you're absolutely right. Normally, we do deal with a lot of stressed out students, and that's because post-secondary is a stressful environment. It, we are really used to dealing with stressed out students, and we have really great partnerships on campus for how we can help students kind of navigate that process. But what has happened with the pandemic is that there's just more. There's more stress, and there's more stress on our staff and faculty as well. But we knew that was kind of to be expected during a pandemic. And there are students who are still thriving. There are students who are still doing really, really well. And there are some that aren't, like always. We just know that more are not maybe doing as well <laughs> as they're used to doing. And so we're really trying to help students navigate that process. So that's really what we've seen is just that increase. Um, I always talk, tell students, like, I understand post-secondary is like a huge investment. So it's like an investment of your resources, your time, your money. And it's an important investment and it's an investment in like your future, but it's, and it's an investment sort of in yourself, but it doesn't mean it's not taxing. So you're piling things on top of that. And that's where we see sort of students are seeing sort of those other effects, like what the pandemic has done to sort of all other parts of their life as well. And that's where we're seeing sort of, sort of that extra. But um, like I said, we're really, really lucky that we have such good relationships with other campus partners because it has helped us to be able to give students really good resources to kind of help them manage that part of the stress, those other parts, that, that life part that goes along with your academics as well. And we are there as well to help students navigate that stress when it comes to how their program is looking. If things had to change or they had to make a change in their program, then they can talk to an academic advisor or one of our frontline advisors, and we can kind of help them navigate that side of things to just bring it down. We know we're not getting rid of the stress. We're stressed out too, <laughs> but it's sort of helping, like, let's all work together. Like, let's manage what we can because there's going to be things that, that we just can't manage. And so it's nice to be able to have a plan for the things that you can manage. Yeah, I've heard from a lot of people that they've had to kind of decrease their coursework this year just because yeah. of the huge changes. Have you noticed that as well? Like, have you been advising people to just take it a little easier this year? Yeah, and where possible, we've helped, you know, if you need to reduce your course load by like one course a term and it's possible and it's not going to make a huge impact on your ability to go forward, absolutely. Because it's really important that your own mental health and and physical health is taken care of, like first and foremost, or else you're not going to be successful in it anyway. And, you know, what's drop? Sometimes it's like, well, you can drop one class and be successful in three or four, or you can try to stay in all of them and be successful in none. 
So we try to help students sort of manage that as well. Um, but absolutely, there's other times where it's just having a conversation, even if it's like, because students have other things, student loans, RESPs, other, you know, scholarships, housing, all these things that are affected by the number of courses they take. So sometimes it's not even maybe reducing the total number because it's just not really possible for some students, um, international students as well. Uh, it's sometimes changing the courses and which courses we take at which time to have a little bit more balance so that the student can kind of wrap their head around it a little bit more and, and, and get to a place where they feel like they can actually keep up with the work because of everything going on. So it, we, that's why individual appointments work out so well for a lot of students, but also, you know, we also have like kind of workshops and everything just to kind of help to say that there's actually multiple ways to look at managing that doesn't always mean dropping a class, although sometimes it does. Um, what have been some of the most difficult things and challenges for you and the other advisors through the pandemic? I know you've touched on some of them, but yeah. any, any specific ones you can think of? Honestly, I'll say we're always busy in the advising center. We've always been busy, but there's been a significant increase in <laughs> sort of the amount of work that we normally have. We're kind of like doubling and tripling it in some areas. Um, so that amount of busyness, coupled with the fact that people in the advising center are still people also working within a pandemic <laughs> who have families and children and, and sort of all sorts of other things in life that they're also dealing with, but trying to make sure that we can kind of help the students as much as we can. So the workload has definitely increased um, for the advisors. Um, I would say the other thing is, like I just mentioned, managing that sort of mental, physical health of, the, of our team has also been really, really important. Um, we are really dedicated to helping students with sort of connecting with us and, and helping them through their any issues. And sometimes it's just also talking to a student who's having no problems with school and, and also letting them know and giving them a little bit of a pat on the back saying, well done, like good job on continuing to, to attend classes. Um, I think so that's sort of one of the big challenges I would say the other big challenge that actually has come up is letting students know that we're actually still around and that we're still helping students. So there's a lot of confusion when a campus that you're used to being in person and just like walking to services looks a bit different and so you're not sure if things are going on and people are working. Um, so that's another challenge of letting students know, hey, we're still offering appointments. We're still there to talk to you. We're still helping with the, the paperwork and with your graduation and your declarations and all of those things. So we're still around. And that's been actually the other challenge is getting that word out <laughs> to students that we're still there. So we tend to focus on a lot of the negative aspects of the, of the <laughs> pandemic, which is fair. There's a lot of negative. Yeah. But yeah. Do you, have you seen anything good come out of this, this whole situation? You know, it was, I was thinking about this the other day, and I have to say, watching a pivot that happened relatively quickly was something to behold, I'll say, because it is really challenging to take something that you're really, really used to and flip it and try to make it different and still work, especially when it's going from what is primarily like in person. Our campus is set up that it's primarily in person, you know. Um, our classes are set up that way, our services are set up that way. So to make that pivot and to see that we're actually able to do it was, I think, quite actually something, like I said, something to behold. Um, is it perfect? No. 
but we knew it wasn't going to be. <laughs> so, you know, working through things and figuring things out. Um, but I was, I was really pleasantly surprised by that. Um, I, I mean, it's not a great situation, but the resilience of, of the majority of our students has been amazing as well to just be able to see that and our staff and faculty on campus because we're all in this. And when, one of the things that students have talked about is platforms. So I know we, like we hear you, we know there's been a number of platforms <laughs> available. We've also had to work on multiple platforms and try to kind of figure that out. So we're right there with you, but seeing that resilience and, and, and students, being able to kind of pick up on those has been really, really such just interesting to me. And I think it's actually come out with some good, some good things on what we can do differently in the future. Yeah, it's been so inspiring to see how people have adapted to this. Yeah, totally. Listening to people's stories. Um, so as an advisor, <laughs> do you have any um, advice or words of wisdom for students or yes. anyone in the music community? Yeah, I'm, Okay, so this is going to sound slightly cliche, but I believe it, so I'm going to say it, um, is that approach things with kindness. Even when you're frustrated, even when you're feeling not great, even when you're feeling worse than not great, if you can do your best, and that means approaching yourself with kindness, approaching what you're doing and not being so, so tough on yourself or others who are really, for the most part, trying to help you. Um, so we know, like I know, there's this pandemic is not just a pandemic. It's, there's a lot going on just in the world at this time. So it can feel like a lot. And one of the things that we as advisors are doing is saying, like, we're there to support you. So another word of wisdom from advising is there are supports out there many different supports and like I mentioned we have really really strong connections with other campus partners whether it be counseling or health services interface services even things like athletics or that all of that so we can help you navigate to those other services but in general there are services out on campus there to help you when you are struggling or stressed out with something and um, sometimes because of as I mentioned the workload has increased for a lot of areas um it might take longer for you to get an answer back but know that people are still trying to help you and so you know kind of having a little bit giving a little bit of space for that to happen so that you can really get the best help that you can get as well um and just kind of give yourself a break so i don't think that nest for most students it doesn't actually mean giving up on school but as we talked about it might mean changing your course course load or your courses um, but having a conversation with an academic advisor can help you figure out, okay, what does it mean for me to have a break? So does it mean I take summer off this next summer? Maybe I'd planned my program so I'd be taking a couple courses every summer, you know, doing that sort of thing. Well, maybe I, I don't. <laughs> maybe things like that. So um, truly the other, I'm going to give this like words of wisdom is actually very, this is very advisory, but make a schedule. I know we're online. I know a lot of students have mostly asynchronous courses. Doesn't matter. Make a schedule. So take a break over Christmas break, but take a couple of days and write it down. I mean, I'm old, so I said write it down, but like type it up. So <laughs> do something, but like make a schedule where even if you're doing asynchronous courses, you say, these are the three days I'm going to work on that course. This is the time I'm going to do my homework. But it's also, this is when I'm going to take a lunch break. 
this is when I'm going to exercise, if that's your thing. This is when I'm going to, you know, I'm going to just take 20 minutes and I'm just going to go on, I, I think, you guys still go on Instagram? So <laughs> this is when I'm going to go on, you know, whatever it needs to do, but kind of take that break and, and really make that schedule for yourself so you, so that school doesn't feel never ending, but that you also don't constantly feel like you're behind, like you know what's going on and including hey, I know that this paper is due or this exam's happening here. And that's when I, when we ask students to do that and they do it, they'll see things like my biology midterm and my chemistry midterm are scheduled for one, within one day of each other. So cramming the day before is not going to work because I'm going to be doing one. So a week before is when I'm going to start doing it. I'm going to start looking at my notes. So things like that really, really do help. And to note that when things come up like workshops, information sessions. I know, especially now, we're getting Zoom fatigue. We're all tired of being on all these platforms. But those sessions are so helpful. And students who go to them are usually saying, oh, that was really helpful. And it helps sort of handle the stress of the unknowns. Because a lot of questions are just simply answered because you're not the only one who has that question. And we hear them. So we create, like in the advising center, we create workshops based on the questions that students ask us every year all the time so we kind of put those out there and other sort of campus partners do that as well so just attend them if you can it's super important for us that you're you're successful and whatever success looks like to you you know it's, it's different for every person but that we're actually there to help you and kind of bottom line that we're just here for you and we're looking out for you so come see us if you're a UVic student and you need help with your academic planning, or even if you just want to make sure you're on the right track, or if you just want to talk to someone about your goals, I strongly encourage you to contact the Academic Advising Center. There is an amazing team of people there that are ready to help you, and I can confirm that they will do everything they can to make your semester go smoothly. Visit their website at uvic.ca advising to get in touch with them. I want to give a massive shout out to all of the staff at UVic who are doing their best to keep the university functioning in these times of massive uncertainty, confusion, stress, and unprecedented change. I know that nothing this school year has been even close to normal, and a lot of the change has been really stressful for us students, but it's important to remember all of the people that are really trying their best to make it work. None of us have ever dealt with a challenge of this scale before, and we're all just trying to adapt. There's so many people that work behind the scenes at UVic, and they often go unrecognized for their efforts. But I think that in a time like this, it's important to recognize the efforts they are making for us, the UVic community, to make our year go as smoothly as possible and to pave over the COVID potholes as much as they can. Thank you so much to Alex, Kishal, Nicole, and Janine, and to all of the UVic staff who continue to work hard to help the UVic community succeed and move forward. Stay tuned for part two of this episode to hear stories from UVic students and faculty, and to hear about their experiences through the pandemic. All the best, and see you next time on You in the Ring.